herd mentality, beer certification, and small box games. This is staying in. Peter Willington. It's, it's me. For the last couple of weeks, I've been purposely avoiding chatting to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Why this time? We, we all do that at times, Sam. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just the time of year. It's time of year, and um, basically, I've been keeping myself in a permanent state of suspense and terror. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you listened to the show last time, you'll know what this is all about. Go and listen to it because it's good for the numbers. Yeah. If you don't know what <laughs> going on about, but I'm desperate to know if you've heard anything, anything at all from the good people at. Sony, Sony, PlayStation, PlayStation. or Ubisoft. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, um, or does your character now adore a fancy new hat and t-shirt? <laughs> <laughs> and basically, what I want to know is, can I spend the forty quid that I've already spent? <laughs> oh, so, um, well, let me let me tell you about some of the some of the words that I used to PlayStation support. Okay, so the last we heard the story, you'd been what? What was the word they called? What was the word they said? You'd been elevated? No, accelerated or something like that to 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 the specialist team. Es- escalated. <laughs> escalated, escalated. That's yeah, the one. Escalated. escalated to the specialist team. It's like we've got another one. Yeah, oh, another idiot. no! Yeah. It's, a, it's another <laughs> one who's bought forty quid's worth of Wildlands and then has immediately <laughs> regretted their life it. decisions. <laughs> Um, so, uh, so, uh, so I said, um, <clears throat> so I said, uh, you know, I'd like my money back. And they said, well, look, you know, we're not going to give you money back. <laughs> and <then> I said, <laughs> I said, and I said, and, and this is, this is me quoting the words I use. I said, thanks for the reply, but I don't think that that's fair. Uh, the purchase was made in error because the UX input changed between proceeding with purchase and then confirming that's a bug at best and predatory UI design at worst. <laughs> and as a loyal PlayStation customer since 1995, I would still appreciate a refund and hope to receive one shortly. Now, first, can I, can I just say one thing? I think the reason you got escalated was because you used the word predatory. Immediately, that was flagged. <laughs> yeah, red flag, red flag. Um, and, uh, and so obviously it went to a specialist. Um, now I did. So the, the the thing is, I used to work in customer service a lot, uh, both physical retail and online retail. So I know some of the little buzzwords to start using: predatory, customer, long time, disappointed, all of these. <laughs> um, Trust pilot. And they they came back and said basically blah 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 blah. No, because uh, it's an internet purchase and none of those things are, are, are refundable. And I said thanks for the reply. I do have a follow up question. Do you think it's right that the UI changes to swap around the button inputs so that yes becomes no and no becomes yes at the point at which you confirm a purchase? I look forward to your response. Uh, At which point it was then escalated to Kelly. (laughs) (laughs) I just like the fact in in the Sony office building, they've got got customer service, 
big plaque outside the door as you walk by. Then you go past the canteen. There's a little like breakout area. Then you pass the specialist division, and they're all there with their headsets on, like just getting on with the day. And then at the far end of the corridor, yeah, like a stone door. There's this stone door with this with this blue plaque on it that says Kelly. <laughs> and a, a, a huge thank you to Kelly because uh, Kelly basically uh, went to bat for all of this stuff, and then uh, and then said, "I'm going to be I'm going to be contacting Ubisoft because this is a special case, uh, and we'll find out what this is all about." Um, I can't tell you when it's going to be sorted out. I, it may be weeks from now because these 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 matters usually take quite a while to deal with. Um, I hope that that's okay. And I was about to re- write them a reply, but they got back to me within four. They they literally followed up their own email forty five minutes later from Giovanni. I assume Kelly just delegates. Um, <laughs> and Giovanni said, "Yeah, refunds with you in uh, tw- uh, within two to three days." <laughs> I was oh. like, I was like. Oh, interesting. Quickly, spend the money. Spend the money quickly. Yeah, spend the, spend, spend the money. So, um, <laughs> hats, hats, hats. <laughs> so, um, so I then wrote them an email back because I'm also a big believer. I've been, I've been reading a book recently. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called How to Win Friends and Influence People. Um, and it's a, it's a self-help book from the 19... I want to say 70s, maybe 1960s. Um, and it's it's referenced a lot. It's it's one of the first books of its kind. And one of the thing, one of the really nice lessons that it has in it is, you should always you should always follow up with. You should always reward things when they go well for you. So I mm. so then I wrote them back an email. And I said like I would like to thank, and I named like by first name every single person who'd replied to me in that email chain, um, and said. I'd like to thank all of these people and thank you very much and this is very nice and I'm a very satisfied customer now because I don't have to spend £39.99 pence on an upgraded Predator mask rather than the standard Predator mask that I already uh, already have. Um, so I've got my money back and that's very exciting and it was really interesting just as a sort of person who's into games generally to see how like the process works. Like it's like it's like no 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 all purchases are final, and then like mm, you say something that sounds a little bit like you might take them to small claims court, <laughs> and then basically they're like, oh, maybe we should deal with this person. But I was genuinely very pleased. Um, I'm pleased too. <laughs> yeah, you're. I'm not bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and um, funnily enough, I've signed up for. I know we always talk about these things, but I'll, I'll keep it brief. I uh, I signed up for a uh, and thank you very much for this a, a free crate of beer from a beer provider that I will not mention because they haven't they're not sponsoring this nonsense. Um, so uh, I signed up for that and um, I put my uh, my credit card details in and all that sort of stuff. And I, I said I I, I I went over to Alex and uh, I said uh, oh um, so I've just signed up for a little beer subscription. But the first one's free, but you have to put the credit card details in. But then you have to cancel it. And she said, well I hope it's easy to cancel because otherwise that turn has cost you another forty quid. <laughs> <laughs> She's not wrong. <laughs> Oh, brilliant. Good times. Pete, how how close are you now to um mm. to just running your own pub? <laughs> <laughs> because I feel like this journey has got to end somehow. You'd think that. And I think that 
Right. The, the reason I came to this conclusion is I was thinking the other day, I thought a great question to ask Pete would be, yeah. if we went into a pub and say and say it was me, Dan, and Chris, yeah, and say that we all just like beer, Okay. Yeah, so, yeah. And we just went into a pub and we all said, right, here's some money. Yeah. Actually, no, you got 40 quid, you got plenty. Mm-hmm. With that money, go and buy us each a drink. Like, what would you go up to a bar and get each of us? I would get you, Sam, a double hopped IPA. I would get. No, cri- no. Oh. No, no, no. You're in a normal British pub. Okay? Oh. oh. Yeah. Not in, not, not in Pete's. Willy Wonka-esque world of beers. Yeah, not not in the pub which has everything to choose from. Oh, could you hand me the catalogue, barkeep? <laughs> the Argos of pubs. I've got a big frown on my face, <laughs> basically. <laughs> right, you've been you've been to one of the pubs pubs near where I live. Yeah, and they they were perfectly lovely pubs. Yeah, so say we were going into one of those. It's the four of us. Okay. I would get Sam. I would, immediately, I would. I know that you're a, a bit of a hophead, so I would get you an IPA, whatever's good on tap. That's an IPA, and if not, if there's nothing good on tap that's IPA, uh, then I would get you uh, probably a bottle. Because if they don't have an, it, to be honest, I'll be perfectly honest with you. If they don't have an IPA in a bottle in a pub, we're walking out of there with nothing. Um, <laughs> um, I would get Chris a. If we have to get beer, I would get him. He doesn't really drink beer all that often, so I would probably get him a. Uh, a framboise. Um, I was thinking about this the other day, like a nice fruity. So a framboise is mm-hmm. like a raspberry beer. Beautiful, beautiful thing. Really, really tasty. Chris, Chris tends to like beer if the food is right that's served with it. So I found that when we yeah. were in Germany, as long as he had a big salty doughy pretzel, he was he was well into it. Yeah, yeah. Just banging them back. I mean, that's uh, that's mostly just because Chris likes food. Um, the uh, but yeah, I think I think something like nice and fruity because he's uh, he's um, he likes his ciders and stuff like that. He's nice and fruity. He's nice he and does, fruity, and he does like fruity beer. Yeah, he does like fruity beer. And mm. Dan, I would look at you wistfully for about thirty seconds. Uh, just think what went wrong, and just uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, no, I think I would get you. I think that would be a really difficult one. I think I would probably get you something that was really, really, really really far out of your comfort zone uh just because <laughs> yeah that's the way to do it that's the way to get someone on side but something that where you would go oh i didn't realize that beers could taste like this so i'd, I'd try and get you something like they might have like maybe a barley wine they might have a doppelbock they might have something that's very um basically very 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 malty so very kind of um, do you like horlicks dan I, i'm not i'm not Someone who drinks Horlicks in any kind of regular on the reg, <laughs> on, the, okay. on the reg. Okay, another another question. Do you like Maltesers? I do like Maltesers. Okay, so okay. so there would be a, there, okay. So a Doppelbock, you'd be you'd be absolutely fine with. Um, it's just like drinking Maltesers. Yeah, it's just like that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'd be like, yeah, no, it's definitely like drinking that. Half just half a pint, please, uh, barkeep. Um, yeah, I would, I would, I would do all that sort of stuff. And the reason I know all of that information about these things is, first of all, obviously, I've been, I've been reading all sorts of uh, books about the subject and about beer. I mean, it's easy if you just say you're obsessed. That kind of encapsulates. Yeah, I've just, I've just become obsessed with it. But the thing, yeah. the thing that, uh, that I've sort of taken it to that next level now, where by I went and got uh, this thing right here. 
And this is a... a it's great, well, great ca- for radio. Yeah, great for radio. As the camera focuses in on it, I'll describe it. It's a little small rectangular uh, bronze pin uh, that reads Cicerone Certification Program Certified Beer Server. Um, oh, my God. And what this is is a <laughs> beer industry qualification that I basically took some holiday and decided to just kind of do it um, and learn all, make sure I knew all about beer and then took an exam and now I have a qualification. So so when I asked how close are you to running your own pub, you are literally now actually certifiably further along that road than you were. Well, no, no. If you listen to it, he's qualified to serve beer, not to run a pub. He's, he's qualified to be a barman at the moment. Yeah, so he's further along that road than absolutely he's ever been before now here's the thing here's the thing that might sound absolutely uh, nonsensical because obviously like we all know working in a bar it is uh, it's a job that you can take on quite sporadically it's a thing that you can learn the trade of like quite quickly the uh it's specifically a qualification for people who want to work in like craft breweries because mm. it's all about craft beer so it's not your sort of like typical spoons ain't looking for this on a resume but something like like Dogfish Head over in over in the states, like they have a craft brew pub and stuff. They probably will. All of Brewdog, I learned this mm. the other day. All of Brewdog, they put their entire staff through this qualification, so they really know their stuff, basically. So, like, you can get a job at Brewdog, but you can't really stick around for much for, for particularly long, unless you go ahead and you get that qualification. Um, so yeah, I know a bit more about all of that stuff. So I can't run a pub. But I, c- I can tell you what how to release a it's called a Sankey grip or Sankey pipe or something like that. I can basically go into the ba- into the cellar of a pub and I can I can pull the keg the little n- nozzle thing off of the keg and put it onto a new one without it going absolute nonsense. Isn't that interesting? I mean, I, I, can... I mean, I don't want to. I mean, I'm I'm very impressed that you've gone to the trouble of doing like studying, doing an exam, and all that stuff. I am very impressed with all yeah, of good, that. Yeah, good, good. I I, I I I get the feeling there's a there's a buck coming along, but yeah, go on. But if if the biggest thing that's come <laughs> yeah, out this... of this qualification is the fact that you can now change a barrel in a pub, I could do that when I was like 18, but I worked in a pub, mate. I've never worked in a bar though. I'm living the fantasy through education. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I've I've never I've I've never worked in a bar apart from at the hotel that I worked at for four days before I got fired. Um, I uh, but I never had to t- change a change a barrel or anything like that. I only ever had to make like two or three drinks. Um, and I I just find it really interesting. And and really the reason I went and did it is I wanted to test how good my knowledge of beer was. Um, and it turns out it was all right, um, which is cool. And there is like a next, there is a next level to this, which is where you become something called a certified cicerone, um, and that is actually quite a that is actually quite a significant challenge. Like that's like, cool. Have you been working in the beer industry for like a year? Then maybe you'll be ready. Do you guys do you guys want to play a game? Yeah. Okay. Should we play a game? Let's play a yeah. game. Let's do it. Uh, I don't know if it'll work because I was hoping uh, Chris would be here, but he's gone on his holiday, mm. so he's not. And this is like minimum four player, but okay. I'm sure it'll be fine. Yeah, it'll be fine. We'll play with the fourth wall. Yeah, we'll just imagine. We'll just pick an answer at random. Um, last last year was it? 
Um, we got to play some fantastic party games from Big Potato, Twenty mm. um, Second Showdown, and especially Don't Get Got. Yeah, were some of my like favourite party games, games have been of the last like twelve months or so. Um, and they sent us a new one, oh. and this one was intriguing because because <laughs> it comes in a box, right? And I can show you this, and it's like it's a standard sort of board game box. Yeah. And it's covered, and it's made to look like a cow print. Yes. But if I tell you that the black patches on here are like this velvety material, Ooh. you'll immediately know like why this box is like really special. Um, this is this is a very simple game, as most big potato games are. Um, but there's there's quite a lot of mileage in it. It's called herd mentality, right? And what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you each. Well, I'm going to ask a question, and I want you to think about the answer in silence, and then we're all going to answer it. And if you're part of the majority, you're going to get one point, okay? Mm-hmm. However, if you say something that no one else says, you don't get any points. Mm. Uh, in fact, if we were all playing it together, we'd have this little pink cow, this like little pink plushy cow. I like that. And if you answer something that's unique, you get this cow. And as long as you've got this cow, you can't win the game. So, so it's like an anti-pointless. Yes, definitely. So the interesting thing about this game is, and what we've kind of found playing it is, do you answer honestly or do you play the room? Okay. So do you answer the questions how you would answer them or do you think, I know what Pete's going to be saying, so I'm going to say what Pete's saying to get me those points. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. First question. You're playing rock, paper, scissors. Okay. Which do you hit them with first? So you're playing rock, paper, scissors. What do you start with? Yep. Yep. I've got mine. Yep. Uh, Pete, what is it? It's rock. I'll go paper. I go paper. Oh, well done. There we go. Me and Dan, we're in the majority, so we get one point each. Pete... You get the virtual pink cow. Okay, I've got right. a pink cow. I'll write that down. And we'll pay and we'll and we'll play like first to five. First to five. Okay. <laughs> You've got ten minutes to make a Halloween costume. What do you dress up as? Okay. Yeah. I think think I've got mine. Yep, me too. Dan? Ghost. Oh, I, I was gonna say scarecrow. I would dress up as a jack o' lantern. Well, I didn't consider either of those things, so. <laughs> uh, so we don't get any points. So any points? Am I still so. the? Am I still? You, the pink but cow? you are still because we're all unique. Right. You're, you still. Okay. Um, uh, if you had to choose, on which part of your body would you let a wasp sting you? Ooh. Oh. 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 Hang on. Hmm. That's a thinker. I don't like this game. So a wasp comes up to you and goes, I'm going to sting you, yeah. but you get to choose this, where. This is this is a tough game. This is a really good, tough game. Uh, I think I know. Okay. I think I, think I, I know, know as well. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, no. Hang on. Do I? Mm. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think yeah. I know. Yeah. Sorted. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Pete? Calf. I'd say thigh. I'd say arm. Hmm. Ooh. Well, I think me and Pete both said leg. Both said, like, a leg. So I think we both get a point for that. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Uh, name a famous Jennifer. Okay. I, yeah. Um, Pete? It's going to struggle. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, I've got one. Okay, yeah. Uh, 
Aniston. Aniston. Jennifer Aniston. She's like, she's like, <laughs> she's like my friend. <laughs> I didn't really. <laughs> oh. So me and Dan both get points. So you're on three points, Dan. I'm on two, I think. Um, no, no, you're on three. I'm on two. Okay. How many days do you think you could go without washing before people started to notice? Straight in. Yep. <laughs> Bloody hell, have you done it? <laughs> okay, I think I think I know. Okay. Yep. I'm gonna go three. I'm gonna go two. I was going with five. Five, five days. Five. Yeah, yeah, Dan. No, no, Dan. <laughs> just, no, just to no, be clear. Because, no. no, wait. No, I'm saying five because not that I, I want to not wash for five days. What I'm saying is naturally I don't really smell. I, I, I mm. find that's I. No, unless you are basically, unless you are basically the 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 sort of like model upon which the matey bottles was based, like <laughs> you, you absolutely do put off a bit of a bit of funk, like we all do. There's no way you're saying that you're the the funk you're putting off yeah. is kind of noticeable within two days. Well, mate, it's it's noticeable within one, but like, but by two, people would be like moving to one side to like get away from <laughs> five me. days five yeah. days dan honestly I, that do you just like do you just like eject links africa this isn't your... me saying i do that the question was <laughs> how many days before people would notice oh, and as dude. i don't i don't smell that bad it would take a, a longer time if i smelt really bad then yeah one day and people would say whoa have a wash <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's conversations like this that this game has become like... Sam, this game is great. One of the, like, we must play it when people around, like, even with a group of three or four, like, it's definitely better with more people, like, yeah. six or seven, but obviously, at the moment, those kind of meetings are quite rare. Um, but yeah, some of these conversations are excellent. Especially the time that there was a question where we had, would you rather have a painting or a statue of yourself... Hmm. and we were playing with Lisa's parents, and everyone said painting other than Lisa's dad, who said statue, and that was a very interesting conversation. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) What's your favourite coin under one pound? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, I think I know. Yeah. Yeah. 20p. 20p? 2p. (laughs) (laughs) I love the 2p. The two, the, <laughs> Why? Because the two P does not give a fuck. <laughs> like the two P is like the two P is like yeah I'm grubby and gross. What about it? You're not going to throw me away, are you? I love the two P. The two P is just out there, <laughs> out there doing its own thing, not caring about the rest. Not like the hoity toity fifty P. Like oh I'm basically a pound. Shut up. What about the one P though? The one P can get in a bin. Awful. Awful. <laughs> okay, so we'll do one final one because um I'm on four points. Um right, what would be the best game show to go on? I know. Okay. Uh, yep. Okay, yeah. Dan. Who wants to be a millionaire? Who wants to be a millionaire? Krypton Factor. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> me and you, like, Sam, are, are pretty in sync. Well, yeah, obviously it's who wants to be a millionaire because yeah. the first questions are really easy. You've got a grand in your pocket. 
Uh, you could probably walk away from who wants to be a millionaire with at least five or six grand, maybe ten. I, I think with the lifelines, you could easily get to thirty-two. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. it's just, and then you can just free hits from there because that's your safe space. <laughs> I thought, I thought you were all gonna. F- I basically, I thought you were either gonna all pick that or nightmare. Mm. Now you see, mm. if you'd asked, if you'd asked me twenty years ago, <laughs> what do I need now? An enriching adventure experience or a couple of grand? <laughs> then yeah. I probably said an enriching adventure experience. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but that's that's herd mentality. Herd mentality. That is that is excellent. That that yeah. that is. That is glass of uh, Zinfandel, uh, <laughs> Echo Falls Zinfandel, <laughs> like sat in the living room with with pals. Like this is great. Like everyone's slightly tipsy, but also all having a great time. I assume that they're all kind of safe for work questions. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's there's nothing that we haven't been through all the cards cards yet, but there's nothing in there that. Um, I wouldn't, you know, and and it's age is 10, 10 plus. Ah, right, good. So, good, good. so and what's think- good about it is it's one of those games where once you've gone through the cards, the fun doesn't kind of dissipate then because the the fun comes from people's answers opposed people. to the cards themselves. Yeah. Games like Cards Against Humanity, Rubbish. the first time I played it, it was fun, but as soon as you've seen a card, yeah, it stops being funny. It's, it's boring, yeah. Once you once you've seen something and you've had that shock factor. That you obviously you're looking for with that game. As soon as you've mm. seen it, oh, I can't believe that's on a card. Then the, the fun's gone. But yeah. when you when the fun comes from the other parties, the reaction to a card, mm-hmm. that's that's where that's why I always liked Super Fight, which I think we've talked about eight years ago now probably. Yeah. Super Fight was always a, a really favourite game of mine because it was all about um, the the people's reactions and the the interactions between people as opposed to what was on the card. That was merely the inspiration for the fun times. Mm. Yeah. It's good. It's good. I'm really, um, I'm really happy. I, I was extremely skeptical about it because I think, like, when you think of that idea of like staying in, like, being part of the majority, like, it, immediately if you think like um, about games in general and about that competitive experience, you think like you want to do. You you feel like a the competition is being is in being different and like thinking tactically differently to everyone but you also feel like the humor is in trying to be like um trying to be zany and different and unique whereas i think what it actually does really well as a party game is allowing those moments to feel more genuine and more organic because you don't know what kind of question is is going to lead to like the funniest conversation so exactly like your now I know that your favorite coin is a two pence piece. It's beautiful, but I didn't know that going into like the. <laughs> into if I don't think Pete game. knew that going into that question. No. <laughs> are there any are there any qualifications that you would go for, or are there are there any like courses you would go on if you could uh, if you could just somebody said oh you can just have a week off of like normal work go and have a think about what you want to learn about. You know what I'd really like to learn? Go on. And it's 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 something that I've thought about like more as I've got older and as I've done like over the years like more DIY and stuff like that. I'd love to kind of learn like woodworking. Oh. I think that would be a really yeah. like good thing. I like the idea of like being able to just go and do some stuff in the shed and <laughs> just I don't know, just cut up some wood into something <laughs> and make a table. 
other on an evening. You like the idea you like the idea of being on the recipient of the phrase he's in the shed again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd, yeah, I'd really like to do woodworking. I'd like yeah. that, but that would be something I'd really like to learn and just become proficient with tools. Yeah, <laughs> just—it's <laughs> true though. No, you like it is. Like, it is. Yeah, and like, like if I pick up a, if I pick up a, I don't know, um, what's a tool? Like a, I don't know, like a chisel. Like, mm. honestly, I think to myself, I'm going to have somebody's eye out with this. Whereas I'd love to be able to just sit there and be very confident and be like, yeah, I've got this. I'm using my electric power sander and I have no fear whatsoever that I'm, you know, <laughs> going to rip off a leg. I mean, I I have got married. I have a child. I bought a house. I don't think anything has made me feel quite as grown up as when I first bought my proper big, my first big toolbox because <laughs> I needed it and tools. I just, I felt so grown up that day. Yeah. That I that I needed this big toolbox. I no longer could deal with like a boot bag or like a carrier bag with some tools in it. Walking around with your trousers pulled up all high. I'm the big man. Like Yeah, yeah I love Don't it. Don't worry, I'll, I'll go what? get the toolbox. <laughs> <laughs> what would you do, Sam? Uh well I was gonna say like astrology would be fun, wouldn't it? Astrolo- astrology or astronomy? Because that's going to sway how I'm thinking about this. <laughs> uh, hey, to, hey, astrology can be fun. Yeah, it can be. It can be. Obviously, the day before you do your astronomy exam, you'll know how it's going to go. That's so, it. That's the astrology. Astrology. Exam. Jesus. Yeah. Astro- <laughs> oh. oh, man. Right, so, astronomy. Yes. Or maybe like... Um, something to do with whatever Brian Cox does. Talking really nicely about the universe. Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it like astrophysics? Yeah, like astrophysics, yeah. yeah. I'd love to do some bit of that. I'm not saying I'd understand it. I was going to say, you, you, that, that's, a, that's a high high watermark to reach. So, you know, you've got a week to kind of do a hobby. What are you going to do? I want to go for astrophysics. I like that. It's just, it's just a, I'm not, I like it. It's just a big leap. It's ambitious. It's like, I'm going to, I'm going to solve string theory. Inspired a little bit by Chris. Whenever I read a book, I always read fiction and then I read uh, a nonfiction book. So I get like a sort of a reward (laughs) for (laughs) learning some stuff. Um, So like after I finish the current book I'm reading at the moment, um, which is Cold Storage, which, Dan, I think you would like. It's written by the screenwriter to for Jurassic Park, and it's like just basically a, it's an action movie in a book. It's great. I've got um, The Seven Brief Lessons on Physics by Carla Ravelli. Um, and I've sort of like read the first bit of it, which was about the theory of relativity, which is something I generally understand anyway. Um, and it's exceptionally well-written, Um and and it has my favourite sentence I've ever read in any book, which is, you don't get anywhere by not wasting time. And um, so, yeah, I, I would genuinely um, love to study uh, a thing like that. I, f- I find it, I find the thought of trying to understand the, understand the impossible mm. an intriguing prospect. Like the fact I wouldn't be able to comprehend or make sense of it makes me more interested in learning about it, if that makes sense. Right, right. Um, whereas making a dovetail joint 
is a quantifiable knowledge. Yeah. Um, this is finding out how like gravity work and interacts with time. Yeah, but I can make you a table. <laughs> I, t- I took the plunge today. Oh, oh yeah. what, you finally had your wash? It's been five days. <laughs> <laughs> People started to notice yeah. that, you know. The, 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 it ticked on to that fifth day and I thought it's time to do it. Five days. Have you thought about how long five days is, Dan? Dan, five <laughs> days. Five days is such yeah. a long time. I, I, re- I feel like I really need to clarify this, okay? <laughs> I really need to clarify. I'm not saying I wash every five days. What I'm saying is that I think <laughs> I could go without washing for five days before people would then notice. Should we run an experiment? <laughs> I, I feel like... This is an audacious experiment to... To subject others to. I know, because I don't want to be unwashed for five mm. days. Anyway, Dan, you took the plunge. I took the plunge and I got a haircut. Ooh. Oh, right. Okay. I mean, I've still kept it a bit long because I've been, I'm enjoying it. But it is, it is like, it was okay. down to kind of like the bottom of my neck. Yeah. And it's now kind of less so. It's less so. But yeah, I finally took the plunge. What did you did you go to a did you go to a hairdresser or a barber or something? Like that? I, I went to a hairdresser, um, and literally, and I kid you not, um, because with everything with with COVID, they've got a certain procedure in place. So you kind of you, have to, you arrive for your appointments. I arrived promptly. I waited outside, and they came up and they, and they unlocked the door and they let me in. And as I walked in, I walked over to get some hand sanitizer. And the first thing the hairdresser said to me, she was like. Blimey, that's a lot of hair. <laughs> and I was like, okay, coming, coming from a hairdresser, that's quite the statement. She sees a lot of hair every day. Yeah. For Glastonbury, uh, the first time I went to Glastonbury, I had, uh, and I went when it was not cool, but not like Glastonbury. Now. Oh, give off. Uh, like, uh, like, come on. I went when it was really like genuine, like down to yeah, earth. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> I remember when me and Evis were hanging out in the field. <laughs> Um, uh, and uh, pass me the doom, <laughs> Eves. Does anyone have any wacky abaki? Um, so, um, <laughs> so, um, and I got a. Um, I don't know if I've told you, but I, I got a, a, a Mohican. Um, okay. And and wh- where did they come from? Uh, um, I got a so yeah, and um, and I got it. They didn't know quite how to manage the exit from that. that Transition on from that, so uh, just thought I'd just leave it. And the um, the the woman who uh, was my barber in uh, Royal Tunbridge Wells, um, she she is amazing. I I don't know if she still uh, does barbering and stuff like that there, but I hope she does because she is a, a legend. She were she was like this huge like ska punk fan and she would go out to she was like she must have been like and I, I would have been like 15 16 at the time she must have been like mid 40s she would go to london for ska and punk gigs and stuff and then come back at like you know get kicked out of the club at like four four o'clock in the morning sleep on the train station and then like come back to to Tunbridge wells the next morning and then start cutting hair and um she was she was absolutely amazing, and uh, she bleached my hair. So I, I had a Mohican, and it was bleached white. And I mean, oh white, wow. white. 
And I said, oh, so so can you just get this? She was like putting this stuff in my hair. And uh, and she said, oh, can you see, can you just get this stuff that's, uh, can you just buy this bleach stuff normally? Can you buy it in like a supermarket or anything like that? And she said, <laughs> she said, uh, she looks around uh, uh, around the barber. It was empty. I had like a beer in my hand because she was offered everybody a beer when when oh they came my in, gosh. and I was like, oh, cool. I was like sixteen, which was great, uh, oh. uh, and I was like, this is the best. Um, and she said, you you technically can't get this bleach in the UK, <laughs> and I was like, oh, continue. Um, my my scalp started to burn and bubble and like really i was like oh should it feel hot and she was like oh yeah (laughs) it went pure white like purest purest white white whiter than the t-shirt white t-shirt that i'm wearing um and uh it was amazing like properly properly shining white and i looked absolutely awesome as i went to glastonbury i did not look awesome the day after I'd gone to Glastonbury because I forgot to take hair gel with me and I didn't have a mirror. And what started off as a really awesome punk uh, Mohican, I was a little punk rocker back in the day, punk Mohican, ended up an elevated bowl because I didn't have any hair gel. (laughs) 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 And I only found out that I looked like an absolute psychopath slash, like, slash, like, maybe like 1960s pop art icon <laughs> like like three days like right at the end of the glastonbury because i walked up to a mirror where i was buying some like sandals or something like that i was of like of course yeah I was a, like, oh, a hemp skirt yeah yeah exactly and i was like oh no that's why that, that that's why that girl i was chatting up walked away from me was, it, was this the same year that that you got flooded in? No, that was year two. That was the second year. Oh, I went. Okay. Yeah, that was the that because because obviously I have favourite pictures of all of you. Yeah, and one of my favourite pictures of Peter is that one that's of you in the press <laughs> in a national newspaper in a flooded Glastonbury, just like up to your waist in water, looking like you're still trying to save some tents. I, 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 <laughs> it was amazing. I dived back in to get the uh, to to get the chairs. And was like, yay! And the photo was taken just as it went, just as I was like, yay! Like that. And the people on the bank who were higher up than me, who I was with, was like, yay! And then, obviously, the photo was taken and that beautiful memory was made. But not two seconds later, a turd floated past me. (laughs) Because it turned out that what had also had flooded was the toilets. So all the rainwater and all that sort of stuff had just completely flooded everything out. I was like, yeah... I'm going to get out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. Good times. Good times. Obviously, as you know, uh, I am expecting... Well, I'm not. Well, we are, yeah. but it, I'm not carrying it. Yeah. Uh, him. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, you, you'll get there eventually. <laughs> <laughs> get there eventually. Uh, so my wife is carrying our first child. Mm-hmm. I'm very grateful of this. Um, and so we're currently in the process of, uh, in quotes, making space. Lovely. Um, which <laughs> involves clearing out every cupboard we've ever had and seeing if there is some way or some sort of storage solution to make to maximise the space. Mm. Um, one of the things I thought would help immensely was to free up one of the 
drawers that I currently take up with all of my board games. Your house is more board games than anything else. Yeah, the extension's like great until you want to play Carcassonne. Takes out the lintel. <laughs> so I thought, oh, this would be a wonderful gesture. So I cleared out a bit of cupboard space uh, in order so we have like now another drawer in order to put things. And this is something that's been kind of happening a lot with me and my collection now where I've got to a point where, and I know this is going to sound uh, very, very privileged and strange, is that I've got to a point now where I'm just like, right, I have to keep this collection underneath 100. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh. I mean, it's currently at 90, so I feel like I'm doing very, very well. Yeah, now. yeah. The biggest was 115, I think. But as much as I can, I am trying to be now a lot more sort of generous with the games that I own. Like, if I know I don't play them that much, Mm -hmm. then I'm being a lot more forthright in, like, giving them to people. And um, one of the things that me and Chris have been doing recently is we went through our collections and we donated some of them to his board game shop, the Board Beans Cafe, um, to kind of help them just as they were coming out of the pandemic. We're just like, well, here are some games that we don't play anymore that can stock up your um, collection. But yeah, but there is... There is one specific part of my collection which I think I'm probably... I've come to the realisation now that I'm probably the most proud of and that's my small boxes, Mm. my small box collection, especially my small card game boxes. I love having these little experiences that you can just pick up and like take take with you. Like the other day, me and Chris uh, got together for some safe inside gaming, just the two of us, and we were playing all this big box stuff but for the first time ever, mm. I was able to take a game to Chris's that I just I could actually just fit in my pocket. Um, and we played Ultra Tiny Epic Galaxies. I don't know if you've seen this. I have posted something on our Instagram yeah, page. That's meant to be really good. Because it, it came out originally as Tiny Epic Galaxies. And even that, it's a small box. like So it's already pretty small. However, Ultra Tiny Epic Galaxies is the size of a pack of cards. Like, they squeeze everything down that's in that box down to a pack of cards. And as a piece of, like, design and engineering, it's a fantastic piece of work. But as a game that, to play, it's what it was one of the most fiddliest experiences. And I especially think probably wasn't the wisest choice on my part when you're trying to think of, like, what game can we play where we're not sharing the most components? And then it's like, let's play this dice drafting game yeah. <laughs> where we're throwing these tiny, tiny dice that are probably the size of even like a sweet, like size, like a piece of sweet corn. Like they're absolutely Teensy. like the um, pocket sub was another game that um, we played. And again, it comes in an ex- extremely tiny box, but it's not a card game. It's um, like uh, it's it's almost like we played Captain Sonar together, haven't we? We have. Yes. Um, love that game. Massive Good box, game. though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The box, is, the box is so big, it comes with two screens to put between you, to put between the teams on a table. Like, Love it, but, but big. there's rarely an occasion where it comes out. However, Pocket Sub delivers the same sort of experience where if you're playing it four-player, you can play two teams of two, and you have this hexagonal map that you create and each player has a set of submarines 
and you move your submarine and then every time you move it, you lay a mine. And then another player moves theirs, they lay a mine and then another player loses theirs and they lay a mine. And slowly and slowly and slowly, like this map suddenly becomes like more and more compressed as there's less spaces that you can take because there are mines in them or there are other enemy subs in. And slowly, slowly, slowly you get to this position where there's like two or three submarines left and then this like this intense duel, um, this battle happens where you're trying to like figure out and optimize the best spaces that you can occupy in order to like either funnel your enemy into an area where they where you know they, they can't get out of or force them into a battle where they wouldn't be able to get out of alive as well and again it was this wonderful small box experience that delivered something bigger than like the sum of its parts and even though i think pocket sub is suffers a bit from its like thematically it wants to be this big submarine game but we were playing it and lisa just went this is just fancy noughts and crosses and i was like yeah you're probably (laughs) you're probably right right." right. (laughs) like it was it's really really good and like that part of my collection like i'm genuinely not super proud of many things but i just like how that how i've curated that to know that you know, when we go away, it's very easy for me to take quite a lot of games that take up a small amount of space. I think there's there's a lot of talk in hobby, sort of in general, about there's 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 two types of people. That there are people who are time poor uh, and money rich, and mm-hmm. time rich and money poor, right? Mm-hmm. And like certainly, I've gone through both of those in my life. Yeah, sure. I. But I think that only tells part of the story because I also think that there are people who are space poor, right? Or space rich. So, for example, one of the things I'm always very jealous of when I see a BGG or I go and see one of these big video game forums that talks about silly little niche games that I have have, have a fancy of maybe playing at some point. <laughs> um, I look at them and I, and I see, like, these houses which are oh well this is my games room right and and Mm. and you see it in the states and stuff like that in in you know obviously not in metropolitan areas and stuff but these big nice houses that seemingly lots of people seem to have access to these huge spaces um and you know this is your room where you have your gaming table and your uh and your you know you've set up your bar in the back and all that sort of and as somebody somebody and and obviously we're all from we're all from blighty and uh, that isn't the case here, right? And it must be even worse in somewhere like uh, like Japan or Hong Kong or something like that where space is mm. even more constricted. And I kind of feel like there's this, this third set of... This third sort of thing where sometimes I will look at a game and I will say, man, I wish I could buy that. Two examples. One, I would absolutely love to play Microsoft Flight Simulator and get myself a stick and some pedals, and all that good stuff, and I can afford it, but I can't afford the space. Example number two, I would love to play Twilight Imperium, but I haven't got the space. It's a huge box, right? I kind of feel like that that increasingly is becoming a, do I have the time, do I have the money, and do I actually have the shelf space to, to justify this purchase? And that, that's kind of why I think that you having a really nice curated set of smaller games is so awesome because 
one of the things I love about games is like playing lots of different games, right? Yeah. That's why for me, like, like um, uh, miniatures games and stuff like that, there's like four different rule sets that I can use with some of the miniatures that I own, and that's great because it's just a book, right? And that's that gives me a whole new game to game to play. Same with RPGs and so on. Whereas I'm in, I'm becoming increasingly less tolerant of of board games that a take up a fairly chunk, a significant chunk of space, and B don't offer anything that I haven't seen before, because at some point it's just like there's four different kinds of versions mm-hmm. of games like Brewcrafters, like Agricola and I don't know Viticulture and all that sort of stuff, and I only really need one, and I've only really got space for one, right? And yeah. that 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 to me is I think the beauty of those small games. I think also yeah. they're 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 so good at introducing other people to games as well Mm, because for one often those smaller games because of the nature of them being smaller don't have the level of complexity that a a bigger game would not i'm not saying they're not they can't be complex but they're not going to have that same level of complexity that your massive kind of twilight imperium is is going to have um but also if you want to introduce someone to something you can take it around their house you can play in the pub Mm. you can do all this and stuff um, my f- kind of my family like board games. They don't really, they they like them, but they don't really play them. So often I introduce kind of new games to them, and by far the two like I introduced them to the mind recently, which went down really well. Both kind of adults and kind of kids who were like seven and eight, they were loving it as well. They they love the whole process, but more than anything else, Sushi Go is mm. just a phenomenal game that they all love. Yeah. They all went and bought their own copies and stuff like that. And that becomes... It's a travel game then as well. So when you go on holiday and you get together and you, you have those times where as a family or as a group of friends when you're on holiday, you spend all your time together. You're not like when you're at home and you're kind of the TV's on and you're looking at your phone and stuff like that. You're, you're constantly engaged with each other. And so these smaller games are also something that you can share very, very easily. And because of the size of them and that that's... I, I hesitate to use the word simplicity because that implies that they're simple and they're not, but no. they are simple to pick up and play. Um, and then the the kind of the complexity then evolves the longer that you play it. And I think yeah. having those smaller games in those environments are so valuable. And I think some yeah some of the the, the games on my shelf. I mean like something like Resistance. That's that's a really small game as well. Um, it's not as similar to something like Sushi, Sushi Go, but that would fit into your kind of the small box kind of games idea as well. Yeah, and and for me, I think that's that's exactly right. And and, and part part of that complexity and that and that, especially when you're introducing people into in into a new game, I think that even though like there are bigger games that we absolutely love, like the getting those games out and getting them to the table and setting them up and putting all the things where they need to be put and giving everyone all the things they need to be put. Sometimes that's enough to be like, right now we've got to learn the rules, right? And now we're playing the game. And whereas Sushi Go is lift up the tin, deal out the cards. Now let's learn how to play the game and we can play it. And I think if you're introducing a game to someone or you're not someone who plays games very much minimizing that level of um exposure or downtime into something means that you're genuinely going to i think 
the barrier to you enjoying it is a lot lower than, say, for example, if his Great Western Trail, mm. like, honestly, it's, like, one of the best games I've ever played. But by the time I've set up, set up everything and, like, explained the rules, it's going to... That game has to do a lot more work, I think, for you to then enjoy it a lot more which is which is why i started investing in things like inserts for yeah. and now i've got an insert for great rest and trail and cosmic encounter like cosmic encounter is my favorite board game and like now for me having an insert for that means the next time i get out and if i'm introducing it to new people it suddenly doesn't look like such a daunting prospect that it used to because i remember when i used to get it out and i and i remember introducing both of you to it yeah at the same time and it was just like right let me just i've got a bag there and a bag there and like, let me just rifle through all these like bags and bags and bags and tons of components and like even though i'm very familiar with it it's just like i looking at it from the outside now i just can't help but feel like you must have just been thinking like i'm never going to understand this game what is it why is there so much stuff like i i can't i'm not i'm not going to get used to this alex and i have been introducing um uh, some friends of ours to board games like they've they've they've, mm-hmm. they've kind of played like you know the classics um you, you know your monopolies your mouse hunts uh uh mouse traps mouse hunts. mouse trap <laughs> mouse trap cluedo there you go um yes and um you'd be surprised like how off-putting these big boxes really are like these, these mm-hmm. are the, the 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 these two people are incredibly smart smarter than me jesus like um might not know as much about beer serving, but like you know, smarter than me, um, <laughs> and um, you know, yeah, very intelligent people. And you get out a box that is, I don't know, a foot by a foot, and like that's nothing for most board games, right? And they'll look at it and they'll see fifty, sixty counters and go, "Oh, this looks way too complicated." And and yeah. it's splendor, you know, and and yes. and it's like and it's like just just trust me, it'll be fine. And you get through it, and actually, it turns out it's, it's really straightforward. I, 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 I think I think I don't think you can, especially with people who don't play lots of games, you can't underestimate the importance of that first game. Yeah, because there's mm-hmm. such a, so many hurdles to jump over, and if you get through that first game, and because of all these elements of learning the game, all the pieces, that kind of intimidation, if they haven't had fun with it which is very easy to not have fun because you're too busy thinking about all this other stuff, there's no impetus for them to play it again. So when we talk about these small games, even if you've struggled with the instructions or something, that first game, often that game is over within 20 minutes. And you can then be like, okay, we'll have a second game. But for so many people, if you don't fall into that rhythm and it does become overwhelming, it will just put you off completely. And that's what's Mm -hmm. so important. I, I, I I learned a massive lesson when um chris introduced us to root Hmm. and we were playing root and um, i don't know whether this is the manual or not but the way chris introduced us to root is he said right this one's the easiest and if you want it a little bit more complex you'll pick this character a little bit more complexity pick this character a little bit more complex and, and and the hardest one is this character and it was after playing root i came to the i i learned that that is the totally wrong way to introduce that game and even to speak about speak about games and introducing them to people because how do you know what's easy for one person or another sure, person yeah and like just because that character is down as being the easiest yeah. 
if you introduce that to someone and they go, I'm really struggling with this. And he said, and they yeah. said, it's the easiest. So I must be, oh, this game is not for me at all. And like, when you're, mm. and, and, and when you're, when you've got a big box of stuff, sometimes the only thing you can say is, don't worry, this is really easy to understand. You'll get it really quickly. Yeah. And then you're, and then I think that like, that's a mistake I've made tons and tons and tons. And it was only when we were playing Root that I realized like, what a big, what a massive turn of phrase that is That is to use, yeah. especially when you're introducing someone to a board game. Because if they don't grasp it easy enough, then suddenly you've made them feel inferior. Dan, here's a question mm-hmm. for you. Hi. Where, where is the cross button on a PlayStation controller? It's the, it's the bottom. Right. The fact that, like, you can see a menu, press X to continue, and you don't have to look down at the controller and go, X. Like... That is, like, such a huge hurdle for people who don't play video games, right? And we just don't think about it. Interesting, just as you use that kind of analogy, because as you're aware, I've been playing Last of Us 2, and the way I've been playing, I've been playing with my wife, um, and she she watches me play. She doesn't play video games, but she enjoys certain games. She enjoys watching me play. And what I was playing the other day, and I think I, think I went to the toilet at some point, I came back and she'd picked up the controller and was just kind of running around the room. And she was struggling kind of with it because obviously you've got the thumbstick, so one to move you, one to move the camera, and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And then she gave back, she was like, I don't, know how, I don't know how you do that. And I was kind of like, I thought to myself, I don't even think. I yeah, If I need no. to look around, my thumbs automatically go in a direction that I'm not conscious of. I just know that that does it. And I make a, a swift move and the camera follows me and I get the perfect angle as I want it without even thinking. And sometimes your natural response is, oh, it's super easy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you just do this. Not realising that you've been doing it for like 15 or 20 years or so. Like, I think that that inherent knowledge that we have about a lot of things like game mechanics yeah. and stuff like that, what it essentially boils down to is always trying to think when you're introducing something to someone for the first time no matter what it is is always trying to imagine that it's your first time it's your first time seeing it and I guess what it brings around to my point is like when I was clearing out my stuff with my board games I came to the realization that there will probably come a time and I'm and I'm very accepting of it and and uh, aware of it that I will get rid of a a lot of 90% of these games I just will just get rid of them at some point but that small box collection of mine will probably be the thing that I like hang on with tooth and claw because when I think about the games that I've introduced to people and, and the things that I've brought to the table consistently and always have had that impact every single time, mm. it's been these little card mm. games. And I think only now that we've had this conversation, I realise that that is part of it because I never have to unintentionally patronise people or speak down to people or or... Um, wrongly misappropriate someone's intelligence and understanding of like how a game works because they just appreciate time and space more valuably than a bigger game does. That was staying in with myself, Sam Turner. There was Daniel Frost and there was also Peter Willington. Thank you so much for checking out the show this week. If you liked what you heard, then you can go and do the usual stuff. Uh, Put reviews, five-star ratings, wherever you get your podcasts from. But most importantly, tell your friends and family and colleagues about it. If you think they'll like the stuff that we rattle on about, then please share it with them too. Now, you may or may not have seen that we've been very busy. Well, 
Chris has, going into Spotify and compiling several playlists of songs featured and inspired by uh, books, movies, video games and board games that we've talked about on the show. If you want to find where those playlists are, then it's quite simple really. Just search for Staying In, scroll all the way to the bottom and do See All Profiles and there you'll see us Staying In and some of the wonderful playlists that Chris has created like With Sugar, Chamomile, Iced Tea and one called Strong Brew. So Very on brand, as you'll see. And whilst you're there, you can also follow the podcast and listen to it on Spotify if you want. Uh, Don't forget, we're on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook, Staying In Pod. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks with another show for you. Bye-bye.